Hi guys, welcome to the Digital Look Reads with Savannah and Miss N. And we're back with another book. Miss N, why don't you tell us about it? So for this month, we're we're reading The Wonder Paradox by Jennifer Michael Hecht. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I think it might be Hecht. Hecht, okay, yes. Um, So The Wonder Paradox offers a lively, practical, and transcendent roadmap to meaning and connection through poetry. So Savannah, I think that you chose this book or you recommended this book, um, I guess to start off, like, um, where are you in this book and what were your first impressions? Yeah, I think I'm about 20% in. Um, I think it's probably the least amount that I've read for one of my, one of our books that we've gone through. But um, I can't remember how I found it, but we realized that we sort of wanted to have a book that was blended uh, for this episode because it just makes everything equal. And I like that it sort of touches upon the idea of um, life, but then also poetry and how it sort of weaves into it. So I found it really fascinating. I'm really happy that we got a chance to read it. How about you? Yeah, completely. Same thing. I'm at 18%, which is so funny because I think this is the first time where we're actually at the same reading <laughs> reading level. Um, I think what I liked about it uh, is like what you said in terms of like looking at poetry and then trying to um, kind of like this, you know, like analyze it, but also talk about life in general. And I thought that was really interesting. Like I personally... I mean, if you're, you've been, you know, my friend in the last whatever years, you've probably received some of my poetry. I've like retired that because I realized that there's too yeah. many poetry writing that needs to be done if you keep sending cards. So I don't do that anymore, but I do love poetry and I love reading poetry. So this was such a great book to kind of like dive into. So. You should start doing, you should just do like one line. Oh my gosh. And then built like, so over like five years, you have oh like gosh. a... That is smart. Yeah. You know, like I used to do like, so I used to send like, well, I still do. Like I send Christmas cards, right? And yeah. like, I think it was like three years I would send, I mean, the first year, I mean, we can talk about this later, but the first year was like, so um, like if you, if I've sent you a postcard or a Christmas card for the first year, usually it's like, so like heartfelt and gracious and grateful. And then the next year I'm like, do I repeat it again? And then I think like on the third time like that I've sent the card I'm like okay at this point like I don't I don't really know what else to say I've said everything that I've needed to say so you're like I'm still grateful for <laughs> you <laughs> you're still in my life so I'm still grateful <laughs> so um Perfect. okay so like going into the poetry of this book I guess my first question to you is how did you find because the way that she structures the book is she talks about life, but she also talks about, like, she breaks down certain poems, right? And I love that because it gives us insight into, like, how writers kind of weave that, um, like, that tale of, like, what a, uh, a poem can actually mean. So I'm curious, like, what your thoughts were about that. I found it... Uh, I found it really interesting. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed it because I thought, like whenever you read poetry, sometimes it's really hard to distinguish like what the actual uh, like meaning that the author has sort of um, like written about or like what the, yeah, just like the topic and theme. So I found it 
just incredibly helpful that she would have like <laughs> just a section after a poem being like, this is why they are repeating this word or, <laughs> or like, this is what the significance of this sort of like line is. Um, and it, I think it's especially like cool that she would have sort of like a theme of each chapter. And then she would be like, here are three different poems and this is what they're about. And this is how they sort of interconnect. And I was like, I don't read a ton of poetry anymore, but I thought that was really fascinating that she was able to sort of like bridge those gaps. Um, And I also like at the beginning of the book, she spoke a lot about when she was at signings and how she would somehow end up talking about poetry, even though that's not what her books at the time were about. Um, And I found that really fascinating that she sort of like does it all the time. Like that was such a good example that she was just like, this is in my life here and now and uh, how she relates to people. And I thought that was just really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really like, I think, yeah, like the the part that I'm on right now, she's talking about how poetry uses a lot of like alliteration and a lot of like all of like those technical stuff. And like, I thought that was cool because it, when you do think about poetry that like kind of just like that slaps right that just kind of like oh you're getting into it there is a rhythm there there is an art form into that kind of writing where you get into it because of the way the writer kind of plays with the musicality of spoken word right whenever you like read it or Mm -hmm. whatever so I thought that was interesting and I thought yeah a lot of I mean I think this is like in our story graph I think I'd mentioned it but I it's very interesting like how she uh, parallels that with um, rituals or with um, prayers and all that stuff of like how we use we use these we, we use words we use things that we say on a daily basis as a kind of entryway to like whether that's like finding the meat of life or spirituality or any of those things right yeah yeah well it's uh I think like this t- the one point that I really pulled out was when I, I don't even know what the chapter was called, but I think it was the third one where she talks about, yeah, the ritual and like saying a prayer before you eat. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, she does talk a lot about like people who like may not practice religion, but they still sort of do this and it could be like a way of doing gratitude or just saying thanks. Um, and I thought that was really interesting how she sort of like, intertwined like all of these poems about food and practicing prayer over it um and she had gone into a story about uh, and i think it's like a really cool concept that we should probably start doing is like they have a poem that they say before they eat their meal as like a way to set the tone or like uh create meaningful conversation Mm -hmm. and i thought that was um yeah just really fascinating and i like i don't actively practice like I'm not a religious person but I have been doing this thing where sometimes I'll like be filling up my bottle of water and I'll say like thanks to it and it I don't know like that practice makes me feel better yeah um and I I was like I I am really interested about like how you feel about that do you do you normally like pray before you eat a meal I do yeah so I'm 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 Catholic so I was raised like you know saying grace um every time we eat and it's it's interesting though. It's like, like what I got from her passage is that it's almost like this mindfulness of being present while you eat sort of like before you eat, it's like, you're thanking it for like, do you know that passage where she talks about like, even if it's like, let's say you you eat meat, you think, let's say like 
all of that process that got the, into yeah. someone like killing the animal and then all of that stuff. It's almost like the way that I, what I got from her is that it's that process of being mindful of like, this did not just drop off like in your grocery store. Like there is a whole process within it. And then it's just like being grateful for what's in front of you. And I think, I think for me, it's like, because I was like raised, always thanking it. Sometimes like I took it for granted of like, you know, I just like, so I say it in French because it's faster. (laughs) It's like five seconds or six. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. But like with my family, like once I started learning French, I just like started saying grace in French because it was faster. Um, Yeah. But I think that defeats the purpose, though. Right. Because it's like you're rushing through this like ritual or this like giving thanks. But the words that you're saying loses its meaning if you try to rush through it. Right. So I think that's what I got from her of like we need to slow down and we need to kind of whether you're spiritual or whether you're not, it's just being mindful of like what you're about to eat and like giving thanks and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I it is fascinating like because um, when it is sort of ingrained in your sort of like daily habits, you, you do lose meaning and you forget like to actually think about that process of like how many lives have been impacted in order for me to eat this meal. And I went like, I don't know, I – I don't think even when I was a practicing Catholic, I don't think on my mom's side, we didn't really do it. But I know like my grandparents did it um, and it was a pretty normal thing. But again, I don't think it was really talked about like why we were saying things. It was just sort of like you do it and then you eat and you feel good. And (laughs) I kind of wish that there had been like that communication of like you are sort of like putting these words in like out into the world to be like, like thank you to all these people that you that you wouldn't actually normally think because yeah when are you ever going to like hang out with the farmer that like slaughtered your cow or right? whatever but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but um yeah I thought it was really fascinating and I think like after I read that chapter I was like oh maybe I will start like thanking my meal before I eat it and see like if that helps with like the mindfulness and the grounding and and sort of, um, I don't know, just like putting some more recognition and mindfulness into the practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is like, I guess this is my next question to you because I know we've had this conversation before around gratitude journals, right? Or gra- like just like writing down your gratitude. And I know you do it pretty frequently. I- I'm not sure if you still do, but I remember you were really consistent with it. And like I, I was like, my therapist was like, oh, you should like keep a, gratitude journal and uh, maybe I'd do it for a day and then I'd forget and then I'm like oh, okay <laughs> but she says something about like there's a passage where she says that um the the act of even just like doing gra- like gratitude journals it it makes you more aware and be present to actually be mindful of like something to write in the journal at the end of the day right um mm-hmm. so I'm curious like what your experience was in doing that because I was never really good at it but I'm curious yeah I'm trying to think like I haven't I don't I don't uh write it in a journal anymore um and I forget how I started I'm like did my therapist talk to me about this or did I see it like on a tiktok um because it's it it could be either (laughs) 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 but I I do um like I do know when I started it was 
a practice of like being grateful for like a very specific thing. So instead of saying like, I am grateful to be alive right now, I would be like, I am grateful for my dog, Makwa. And it's sort of like the specificity of like naming a single thing like helped increase that gratitude. But also it made it a lot easier for me to be like, uh, you know, like you can be grateful for your life, but sometimes you're just like really upset and angry at the world. And so finding one thing like, you know, I'm happy that my, like I'm grateful that my, bed is like warm and comfortable tonight uh was I don't know I think it just helped like make it a little bit more grounded and then it allowed me to find things to be grateful for that like maybe necessarily weren't big they were sort of small things but they did make like such a huge impact on my day um and like I do do it now like I I feel like I find on days when I am feeling a little bit more ungrateful or like if I'm really frustrated about something, I will try to be like, I guess I'll try to like step back in the moment and be like, okay, like what is this actually about? And then I'll be like, oh, I guess I'm grateful for this life lesson. <laughs> That's the thing that we always like kind of joke around, eh? We're like, yeah, why universe? Why must you teach us this life lesson? <laughs> can't you just be easy today like (laughs) but that was like I I don't know if you already you probably passed that part already but I think that's what she was mentioning right of kind of understanding each of our own privileges or like what we are in our current situation and knowing that okay like you know I may be I I think it was like around like sometimes we just need to be grateful about something or thankful but sometimes we don't know how to give thanks or like you know if we're you can be grateful because everything is going your way or like you can be grateful because like one thing is going your way and even though the rest suck or something like that right mm-hmm. I thought it was um I thought it was really important that she she sort of had like the gratitude chapter after the prayer chapter because I, I mean like for I mean, people who are non-religious, like saying a prayer really feels uncomfortable. Whereas like being grateful for something, it's exactly like the same emotion and thought process. Um, So I I really like that, that she was like opening up this concept of like, there are so many similarities to like rituals around food, but then also like in general, like, you know, finding gratitude for your day. And I think she, she sort of highlighted that like some people who are, like in their riches or in like, you know, like who are like these really lucky people who don't have a lot of like trauma or like issues or um, I guess sort of like difficult moments in their life, they start practicing gratitude because they have to acknowledge like, you know, I have this money and I don't necessarily need to worry about um, like money down the road because I have this opportunity already. And I think that's important. Like it's definitely as I've gotten more into practicing gratitude like I do try to frame it in that way too of like acknowledging that you know yes I might be having this really hard life lesson but you know I still have like a well-paying job I'm able to sort of like work from home like I have all of these other things that are actually like super wealthy in my life Mm -hmm. and um yes that like life lesson sucks but it's not like (laughs) I'm homeless or you know having all these other like issues yeah um i think it yeah it's just a 
a way to like reframe um, how you process some of the things that go on in your life. And I think that's like really cool. Sure. Um, I wish I remembered like one of the poems within that, but I do know within that chapter, she talks about the alphabet poem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, I love that. Yeah. Cause it, it was like the Fibonacci sequence. Yes. Okay. I was I, obsessed I, with that. I think it was like talking about something like the apricot is something and it yeah. exists. And then mm-hmm. B is blah, blah, blah. And it exists. And it's almost like this reaffirming that, okay, this good thing exists in this world. And, oh, that was another thing that I think like I took away from this book of like finding i think i think it was in the story graph uh, is it the travelers i'm not sure i so or is it about the tea ceremony it might be about the tea ceremony i think in one of the poems she mentioned she was talking about like finding like uh, either like the magic or the like the extraordinary in mm-hmm. the mundane moments or in the ordinary moments and it's almost like, you know, we take all of these things for granted. Let's say like the peaches or like apricot or all of these things that surround us, right? And in those, in that peach is life, right? And mm-hmm. life is such a, like such a strange thing that it could just exist. And we have this really, you know, I don't actually, I've never eaten apricots. I don't know like how it actually tastes like, but you know, whatever taste it is. <laughs> It's like that is giving life and that is like delicious and whatever, right? So I thought that was interesting because I think that's what that's what artists and writers seem to be able to be good at in terms of looking at something that we take for granted and highlighting how interesting it is and how fascinating it is that it even actually exists. It could just not exist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, like, with that alphabet poem where she, like, yeah, she mentions, like, the apricots and they exist. And then she also touches upon, like, other things. Like, uh, I honestly, like, I'm forgetting, but she touches upon, like, different, like, elements, like uh, bromine and hydrogen. And, but then she also talks about, like, like, death and, like, that sort of cycle of, like, acknowledging it. And I absolutely love, because I'm, like, with, I don't know, I feel like with, uh, people who write poems it's almost like they're able to think about these things in such an abstract way that it's sort of like they break it down but then they're able to like amplify the message and I'm always like I would have never like I would have never thought of that yeah <laughs> um, but it, yeah it's it's nice like it I think those the poems that she selects within these chapters, they have this really great way of just like acknowledging all of these things. And I mean, I think in like the story graph, you talk about, um, I think you say it in the beginning uh, and it kind of goes back to like the book that we read uh, last month, um, (laughs) 4,000 weeks where she sort of talks about like, living with the knowledge that we'll die eventually. And I don't know if you want to speak a little bit more to that, but. Um, yeah. So I think, I think the, one of the passages that she said was something like, we need to live with the questions of now. And it reminded me so much of like last month's book, because oftentimes, and I think we talked about it last month too, where we think so much 
about the future and of our goals of like where we have to go, um, all these milestones we gotta, you know, get there. Um, but often it's, and the, oh, there's this like a, another great like section in the book where she talks about like your road or your path mm. is right now at this moment. And you are the road, you are the path, like whatever choice you make, that is the road that you're paving. It's not some kind of like predetermined road. It's your day-to-day life and your actions that you do on a daily basis, right? So that made me feel like it was so reminiscent of like, you know, last month because we were talking about how you just, you need to be present. Like, sure, like we need to think about the future, but we get so lost into the future that we forget about this moment right now where life is being created, your life story Mm -hmm. is being created. And, you know, it could miss out if you're always just thinking about the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, as you were talking about, I kept I've been thinking about like the last six books that we've read and they all kind of have like the same theme of like, like dropping into the present moment, trying to live without regrets or sort of trusting that like the decisions you make will eventually lead you to a path uh, where you sort of find acceptance. And um, I mean, I think like the thing and we both do it. Like, I think everyone does it where we're so focused on like, like, oh, I need to make this decision in order to get like to this point in life so that I can get to like this other point. But then we also like, we completely avoid the idea that we're going to die. Like, I know know that (laughs) like when I'm planning for something, I'm like, okay, so if I get, (laughs) if I get here, it'll be fine like I'll be great but then it's like you do get there yeah and you have like another like slew of like conversations or whatever yeah and then uh but then I'm just like completely ignoring the oblivious that like oh maybe (laughs) like like, what's the purpose of this like what it like what is the impact yeah uh without being like and I'm gonna die at the end of this It is well, I yeah, I mean like continuing to what we were talking about last month, where it's like it's such an existential question. And I think that's like well, that's why many books have been written about it, right? It's like <laughs> such a Yeah. You probably have talked about it in way more eloquent terms than I I'm about to say. <laughs> but it's it's such a fundamental truth in our humanity, right? Yeah. And it's it's almost like like that question of like, let's say if I'm trying to be like a good person, what is it for? Or if I'm a bad person, what is it for? Um, when I'm going to be, you know, when we're all going to die in the end, right? And and so I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's a question that like, it's always there, but you don't want to think about it. Because when you think about it, you're just like, oh my goodness, like I don't have a lot of time left. And you don't yeah. want to think like that, right? Yeah, I actually... <laughs> I was talking to my mom. This is about the other book, 4,000 Weeks. But I was talking to my mom and I was like, yeah, we have like on average 4,000 weeks to live. And she was like, what do you mean? We probably have less than that. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And then I like I started calculating it because I I was like, how many like where are you at with the first thousand weeks? And I was like, have I surpassed that already? And you hit about a thousand weeks once you're 20 and so I'm like oh I'm in like 
the 2000s right now or like I'll be nearing the 2000s yeah. uh, and it it's really like it it really makes me reframe my mind and I think it kind of goes back to like the poem that you mentioned about like the road less traveled and sort of realizing that like there there isn't a path you just have to like do whatever you want sort of thing I mean as long as you're doing no harm to others but um it's it's I don't know like I, I I think I read that and I was like I get so focused on the idea of like which is the right decision yeah which way is going to like lead me to a more successful life or whatever but it's actually like the decision I make has no bearing on whether I make it successful or not like it's just it's just a decision and I can just move forward with it yeah um so it was it was it was actually kind of like reaffirming to me that like oh I don't have to live with so much um like regret or sort of like be stuck in this like decision fatigue that um if I go one way versus the other that you know the life that I have ahead of me is going to be a lot worse mm-hmm. um and I don't know I love that poetry can sort of make you think but it's also that breakdown that she does because I would not have yeah I know right <laughs> thought about that have that kind of insight <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I have like it's always I I remember like in high school having to break down these poems and or like Shakespeare oh yeah and you'd be like oh he mentions a blue curtain because he's sad <laughs> And I'm like, maybe that's true. I don't know. <laughs> but he was probably just like, I needed to add some color. Right. <laughs> I know. I, I think like, I think when I was like in high school, I don't think that I was like too into like those like, like classical literature or poetry, even though now I'm like, oh, it actually has merit. Um, but I think it's because it's like, it doesn't feel relatable at that time. And Mostly, oh, yeah. I think, because we don't have as much life experience. So we're just like, <laughs> a- a- everything kind of just like blows past us. And yeah. we're just like, I don't I don't really get what this means. Um, and and now, though, when I look at poetry or like I read it and it's like actually like really good or it resonates, I think it's that like, uh, like, m- like multiplicity of meaning that a, mm. a writer or a poem um, can bring forth where they're like, grabbing different ideas from different domains and then just kind of like weaving it to this like world that you can kind of see and I think that's I think that's really cool like I I remember like when I was writing poetry like I was very like very simple in terms of like I was just like same the very end like what rhymes with this word (laughs) what rhymes with that word right Uh, I wasn't really like too overly complex but I remember like talking to someone though like we were exchanging poetry I think you know this story we were exchanging poetry but I think he was like a lyricist or something and the way that he he was saying it's like you don't necessarily need to rhyme say like the last word it has to be like the I don't know like let's say you have like let's say mindful it's just trying to find like the same kind of I don't know how to say I think it's like that that sound of like the resonance yeah, yeah 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 exactly like if you're able to match that, uh-oh, it kind of still flows because it's like it's the same kind of family. So even mm-hmm. that kind of thinking like just blows my mind of like how it's like how do you how do you think like that of like multiple how do brains ways? work? 
<laughs> multiple layers of what? Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I am thinking, I forget what year it is. I think it was like maybe it was either grade 11 or grade 12 for me. And we had, um, I think we were reading Edgar Allan Poe or something like that. We had to like go through his sort of like poetry. And he had this thing where he would do like lots of like hidden things. So he was like very, I don't want to say like a mastermind, but he was very specific in how he wrote his poetry. And obviously like it had multiple meanings and and had like this, like this depth to it that again, as teenagers, you had no idea like what he was really talking about. I should probably reread it because I actually, I I loved him when I was a teenager. Um, But he was also really fond of like hidden messages. And so I remember we had to like mimic, um, I forgot, it was like a list of like, we had to do alliteration and rhyming and, um, you know, include certain languages. And uh, I remember being like, oh, he's known for like the specific thing. So I'm going to do it. And then I inserted it and I was like, does anybody know? Like I was... (laughs) try to be really like intellectual Uh, and obviously like because it wasn't part of the class nobody knew what it was (laughs) and I think it was just like I think it was like the first line of each sentence was also a sentence so oh my gosh wow (laughs) it was very technical Uh, but that's how my poetry was it was very technical very simple yeah very like to the point I had no idea (laughs) like how to like add in that emotional depth but again I think it's also like based on life experience you just have like no idea what what everything really is I mean as a teenager you feel really passionate about things which is great yeah and I feel like I felt a lot of things but I just didn't know how to actually explain it but yeah the great thing about people who write poems is they're able to really like distill that feeling into like a line or two or like into the poem itself um and i and i love that and i mean it kind of goes back to the first chapter where she sort of like when somebody would come up to her and she would just like have like it's not like she memorizes these poems but she was able to like pull like a line or two from a poem and be like here you go and it seemed to resonate with them and i was like I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that, but I just love that. Yeah. I love what she said where she's like, there is always like a poem or like a line of poem for any occasion. And like Mm -hmm. when you're able to give that as gifts to people, it can kind of stick with them, right? And stay with them with whatever they're going through. So I love that. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's like a nice way to mark a moment, um, And I thought, I mean, kind of going back to like the rituals of everything, I wanted to, because I I mean, I didn't, I feel like I skimmed it slightly (laughs) through this part, but she, again, with like the ritual, she talks about like Japan and their tea making stuff. Oh, yes. Um, And you did that recently. So what was that like? Like, what was the experience? And did it feel like a poem? Was it? It was so amazing. (laughs) It was, uh, it was snowing that day and I went to this really um I was really hungry too but I mean that's okay but I was really (laughs) and it was like in this um in this like it was like in a suburb sort of it was kind of far from the city center um 
but it was so interesting. I came in and it was like this small tea shop and it was also a bit cold. So I was the only one um, in that, in the tea ceremony with this lady that was doing it. And it was so, in a sense, it it felt very spiritual because Mm. there was so much, there's different steps involved, like with the tea ceremony. And there's so much, like I think in the book, she mentions like sacredness, right? Sacredness in the food, sacredness in these rituals. And I felt that way of like, when you're just being quiet and then you're seeing like the carefulness that, you know, this lady, like how she went about like preparing it. And then like, you know, all of these different steps. And then she made me do it. And I'm like, I don't remember everything that you did. <laughs> Can you let me know how? And she's like, it's okay. I will, <laughs> I will like step by. I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't know I had to pay attention. <laughs> You're like writing it down. <laughs> I know. I didn't write anything. Um, but she was really nice. Um, but yeah, it was so, it, it felt so sacred. And it felt like, you know, it, it, it was that, like just being present in the moment. And it, it was almost like giving thanks to this this mm-hmm. moment of like making tea and like really savoring like the smells and like the taste that you're, you know, you're, you're drinking and stuff. And I think, you know, in our culture today, there's such a fast pace of like, I don't know about you, but like a lot of times, like, I mean, even listening to like the book or like eating. I like, you know, I multitask. I'm like watching a movie or like watching a show while I'm eating because I want to also be entertained while also eating. Um, But you miss that moment of like, you know, really savoring your food or savoring, you know, that experience or listening. And yeah, like that tea ceremony was like, it was so good because I I, like she gave me dessert afterwards too. So that was great (laughs) because I was perfect. Um, but yeah, just like having that experience, understanding like that part of their culture, that was so great. And I think we need more moments of that where um, it's almost like a, a step, a step back and a slow down of like, you know, here is this, this tea and we're giving on like honor or respect to it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a uh... It's so interesting how like our our worlds are so fast paced and we're so fixated on like, I mean, again, all the books that we sort of talked about have touched upon this idea that like we need to get things done as quickly as possible. Um, but then you, you attend these like ceremonies or these like rituals where you have to take time to like be with it. And it actually, um, it's kind of funny because I, there's always this joke in uh with like with my friends like with being indigenous but specifically being like anishinaabe is that um like you're never taught anything you're just sort of like put in place to do something so like i i I don't know like i would i would be asking my grandma how to like make something like make tea and she'd be like oh just throw it in a pot and it'll happen but i was like i need very specific (laughs) details (laughs) on how to like you know how do I chop these this food or how do I gather these things or what will I know like when will I know it's ready and it was very much like like you will figure it out just trust yourself and I was like 12 and taught in such a colonial way that I was like I need to have like a step-by-step guide and so it's kind of fascinating that like you attending this tea ceremony just like 
in the moment being present and then feeling stressed out because you're like, oh, I was supposed to remember like, like how many scoops of tea leaves do I need to add to this? When it's like not even really about that, I'm sure it was probably more like you measure with your heart. Yeah. But in the moment, we're so like, I don't know, we're taught to be like so specific and, and to also try to be as perfect as possible so of course you're probably like okay I remember this step I'm gonna get a check mark on that like (laughs) it's funny there was a there's a way um like when you're when the ceremony is done and you're drinking with the other person like you have to turn your um your cup a certain way and I was like Mm. turning it a different way and then when I did it the wrong I'm like oh no and then she's like it's okay It's, it's just the other way. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny what you, what you say when you're like, we have this mentality of, okay, like, we got to do it like step by step in a perfect way. And I'm like, who, like, where did that come from? Like, where, like yeah. I, you mentioned colonialism, probably <laughs> that is, you know, you know, it, it's, it reminds me a lot of like industrialism, right? Of like, yeah. it has to be like in a specific template or a specific thing or else it wouldn't be like, it can't be mass produced or whatever. Like, we just need to be perfect. But it's interesting when you step back and think about how that kind of pervades in our mindset with things that don't necessarily need to be perfect. It's just mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like you just need to be present and have your heart in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, like it makes me think of like the title of the book, like embracing the weird, the weirdness of existence in the poetry of our lives, because I feel like poems are just that like you like poetry doesn't necessarily need to conform inside like a set of guidelines I mean when you're being taught poetry like in high school like you are sort of like like with the alliteration or like the rhyming or like you know the the stanzas and um you really learn like all of these like you learn how to put these abstract ideas into like very strict boxes when actually like that's the antithesis of poetry like we should not we should just be like free to be like I made it three lines because it's three lines not because it's a haiku yes like (laughs) which I think is like one of the interesting things that have come up come out of like the internet or like you know like the internet famous um poets like Rupi Kaur and yeah I mean uh Morgan Harper Nicholas exactly yeah and it's like there's so much I like this is my perspective, but I think there's a lot of desire just to have some kind of authenticity and truth telling. And a lot of these um, writers are able to do that in their poetry, mm-hmm. in the way that they, they speak. And it's like very relatable, right? So I think that's like why all of these, like, you know, poetry is having like a resurgence in some ways. Sure, it doesn't like prescribe to like, you know, all of like the technical stuff that like we learn in school, like some of them don't, but there's still like beauty in it. And I think like, that's, that's the reason why we do art, right? Like, at, at least, like, that's the reason why I do art, where it's like, you want to be able to share your experiences, but then also realize that, you know, it's also some kind of like universal experience that you can connect with other people, right? I was, yeah, yeah I'm wondering like what you thought about that. I just keep thinking, yeah, like I think of like Morgan Harper Nicholas and how, like I forget how she completely started because I think you shared her account with me, but her poetry doesn't really fit like a specific mold. And she, I like that she plays around with like how 
she'll present the content. But I mean, also she's like, she has very abstract art behind it normally. And it kind of, she has like a series of like, like images or, you know, assets in, in the posts. And so it kind of connects, but I'm like, she blew up in popularity so quickly. She has like three books out now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. Cause you would, you wouldn't think that a poet would have like, this type of success because everyone's like nobody's reading books like they're always just on Instagram but it's like that's how you find out about these artists is like you find them on Instagram and then you like want to buy their stuff and own it and you know have like a piece of them with you Mm -hmm. but uh it's yeah like it's fascinating how this resurgence is happening in such a digital way, but it's also kind of like making you pause. And it, it I don't, I'm just thinking about like now, like how Instagram is meant to keep your attention on the platform, yeah. but then you're like buying a book from this poet. And so yeah. <laughs> you're moving off of Instagram, but that's how you, it, yeah, it's like, we live in wild times when you actually really think wild. about <laughs> all of this. Yeah. I'm curious, okay, this is like a side note um, question, but I'm curious, like, do you think that AI would, like, change our relationship with poetry or, like, with writing in general? You know, I have been thinking about that. um, And because I keep seeing things, especially on Twitter, where people are like, they're like, I hate that AI (laughs) like AI is creating art and I'm having to like work eight hours a day because like now there's things like mid journey or like chat GPT where you could um you know put in a prompt of like you know write uh like a four stanza poem about xyz and you know deliver it in the most like poetic way possible yeah um or (laughs) Like with Mid Journey, where you can like literally create digital art and then sell it, and it's like I think that's what, like I am a fan of AI. I, like I think we need to utilize it, but I am sort of disappointed that it's <laughs> taking over like ways that we be that we can be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that like a lot of people sort of argue the fact that you know AI only takes what is currently available, and so like we will still need creative people to continue writing poems or writing stories or creating art Mm -hmm. um but it's yeah it's so interesting to think about i don't know like would you buy ai created poetry i don't i don't think i would pay for it yeah like yeah it's it's weird like i i don't know like if i've actually read uh ai oh what have we actually (laughs) we've been reading ai generated i i feel well i never know but like i feel like there's something about you know a writer let's say writing something and infusing their experience that i think is hard for ai to replicate Mm. like they can replicate like the style i think and like if you feed them like you know the person's like all of these like you know, poems that this person has written, like, sure, I, I think it can replicate that style and all of that. But I, I feel like the originality or like that experience or that soul might be missing. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, I don't know. I haven't, I, I don't really know. Okay, this is an AI poetry and this is not, right? Yeah. So. 
Well, it's, um, I mean, it's another thing that like I saw on Twitter recently where <laughs> it was like a joke um, because they're like, uh, it was like creative brands are scared that uh, like their work is going to be taken. And, and um, I think it was like graphic designers were like, okay, like give me a client that can accurately describe what they want the first try. And <laughs> like, we all know that that's not possible. So it's, it's, yeah, it, I think it'll be like one really hard for people to create like AI generated content that's like specific, but then also having that originality. Cause you could, I mean, I have definitely tried to prompt AI with like writing certain things and it's just like, like just sort of reorganizing the words that I say, but I'm still having to be like, and this information mm-hmm. and this information, and it has to touch upon this. Mm-hmm. And I end up sort of just like writing it all and then rewriting it myself. <laughs> yeah. I think what, yeah, I think like what it's good for right now at this moment is essentially just like helping you. Like if you know the frame, if you know the frame, it can help kind of like create like a rough draft or whatever. And then you have to come in and then clean it up or add that mm-hmm. bit of humanity. Whether or not it can surpass that, who knows? But like right now, I think I think that poets still have jobs. I don't think that it could I like mean, replace I... it. But you know, who knows? Do <laughs> poets even really have jobs right now? Because it's <laughs> I feel like a lot of times it's side like side hustles. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so true. Yeah, which is like a sad part because I'm like, I wish that we valued artists more yeah. than. Uh, like professionals who can just like sit at a computer although that would get us out of our jobs <laughs> well okay so like I I watched this show like this weekend I watched Rent like on brought uh, on oh, at Stratford yeah. um, and I was like telling my parents I'm like it is so amazing how you know like a piece of work like that a piece of art like that can like it was such a good show and it's like you know it it takes a whole like crew to actually build that and create that but I also know that you know people that work in the arts don't get paid a lot of money and it's like it comes you know to that point that you're saying of like it's so interesting what society values in terms of like giving you money when it's like this is like it it's like really meaningful as well how come that is not at the same level as like let's say like what we're doing, like we're, we're doing not to like devalue what we're doing because like, I'm so grateful for, you know, having a job and being able to pay rent and all of that stuff. But it's like, how is our job where we're communicating, you know, we're doing marketing, we're communicating. How is that more valuable than a job of, you know, creating work that is like, that resonates with people that is emotionally, you know, like, that can tell that story and really move you. Like it's it's so wild to me when we think about that of like, and I get it. Like I know a lot of people want to work in the arts. So maybe that's why and all of that stuff. But it's so wild to me to be like, you know, there's such a disparity between mm-hmm. what we value and how much we pay people to do their livelihood. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, uh, I mean, yeah, like I love our job. It is like I feel like we've we've gone pretty lucky with like where we're at. I mean, it's the edge of the internet, and you need digital communicator like communicators to to support that. But yeah, I do wish that they had like even when you think about like graphic design and people who have to essentially like 
create these entirely new concepts in order to to do something like that in itself like just like having to take time to brainstorm and like think through you know like a logo like the most simplest thing but then be able to be like it's going to tell this story and this is how it's going to make people feel and I mean it's the same thing with like any type of art where um like rent is honestly I think rent was like the first like theater musical that I had ever watched like on um I think it was on dvd (laughs) but I I fell in love with it because I was like this is it just portrays like a moment in time that was so important but again like it the conversations that they were having were so political and they were all artists Mm -hmm. um it it was just like oh like even i i don't know like the one character who sort of works for um like that building management company who like moves out of the art scene he becomes this like conglomerate person like it was like the commentary was so interesting and but and then the fact like rent has been on i mean i think that it just finished its broadway run but it's been on broadway for a long Mm -hmm. time like it's made a ton of money Mm -hmm. um and now it's doing like that little world tour, but it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating that like it's still devalued. Like it's such a good production, mm-hmm. and it's so important. And it talks about like such important key concepts of like human life, and yet it's like you know, just it's something fun to watch. And it's but it, yeah, like can we not think about like the costume designers and the set designers and lighting and all and all those people behind the scenes are also making an impact yeah just i don't know what we're gonna do (laughs) in our world (laughs) i don't know either and i guess maybe we should just like we should write poetry we should (laughs) (laughs) i do think there's value i mean like that i think we've been talking about it before too but i think at least at least for me um I do feel a calling of wanting to create art more of wanting to, yeah. because I, I do feel like that creative, like rut of like, I need, I don't know, like this feeling of like, I want to create art that could connect with people. Not to say that what we're doing is not art. Cause I think it, it there is a value in that. But I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we, when we communicate or tell stories for other people, our own voice gets lost in the way. And I think as, uh, as people, we want to, we want to be seen. We want to be, to show ourselves through other people and like connect with them. Right. So I think, yeah, I think for me, like there, there is a calling for that. I'm curious if you're, you've experienced that in your own. If I'm being called to do art, I think all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I I mean, like for me, because I work within like, uh, like a, a arts and culture nonprofit, I'm surrounded by these people who are like very creative storytellers, and I have to like, you know, sort of s- step back and conceptualize like, like this is a really good story. How are we going to make sure that people know about this, um, while also being like very like focused on like these sort of like large concepts that I'm like having to brainstorm and be like, how can I tell this creatively, even though it's like kind of boring, it's very specific, like 
the audience needs to take time with it. And I'm here being like, let's add in color. Let's add an exclamation (laughs) mark and emojis. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, and then like in the rest of my day, I'm like, I wish I could be brainstorming like a concept, like how to tell a story or like write my own story or create my own art. But then I also feel like, um, and I mean, I guess this probably goes back to like how fast paced everything is and how we can't be grounded. But I feel like art is such a activity in which you have to be like present and you have to be grounded with it. And like how our current society is doesn't value that. And so like, if you're not creating art with the purpose to like sell then then what's the purpose of it and I mean like I know for us it'd be like it's just to create uh, but it's really hard to sort of like remind yourself of that when you're like in the midst because I feel like I get decision fatigue and I'm like I want to create art do I want to paint do I want to write do I want to write a screenplay yeah. like and then I'm like never mind I'm gonna watch TikTok <laughs> that's the thing and I don't know if that's like our generation or Um, of just like having so much stuff that you can do to the point where you're like, okay, well, I just want to watch a show because I don't want (laughs) to think about all the art stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, I mean, and to probably like close off this chapter of uh, the podcast, but um, I think that's what's so important about this book is like like really leaning into like acknowledging um that poems help add to our lives and i mean i guess in a way like the book itself when she's breaking down poetry and sort of like helping you navigate it again it's like an act of mindfulness Mm -hmm. which is uh it's kind of fascinating when you do think about like just like the act of like her writing this book including these poems breaking them down like the concept she's talking about and she's like very visibly showing it and then us as readers were having to like go through all that same step Mm -hmm. um but i mean for us like we're trying to like rush through it and (laughs) not actually getting through time that's why i'm still at 18 (laughs) percent yeah true yeah yeah but I do feel like I'm going to – like, I, I want to finish the book, but I feel like I'm going to have to do, like, a slower reread through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems to be, like, a, a common theme with all of the books that we read. I feel like <laughs> – I, I don't know how it became like that, but it, it's very interesting how, yeah, like, how this whole year, all the books that have, we've read <laughs> have either talked about time or slowing down or – or like I know it's like cons- subconsciously are we trying to tell ourselves something? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I also think that I, I yeah I need to take time to slow down and like digest it. I think, and it's interesting because like as you know with this podcast, like we're literally like what you ch- you said like that's what we're doing. We're like we're you know consuming this book. But then we're trying to reflect upon it and take the time, like this one hour, to really think about like, okay, like from this book, how does it resonate in my life? How does it reflect in like, you know, what I uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis, right? And I think, you know, I think like that's like one of the things that like authors or writers also want you to do, right? To just like, how does it connect with you and mm-hmm. share that with the world? I do. And I, I mean, I feel like authors are probably like 
the only creative that actually gets value for the stuff that they create. Unless I mean like you're like a really well-known painter in that sort of sense. But um, it's such a mindful activity to have to sit down and write a book. And I mean, I think, I think it's in like in the current chapter that we're probably on where she talks about the pandemic a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I think also she talked about that gratitude of having to like sit with herself and she's like feeding the birds and whatever. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think, I feel like at the end of this podcast, like overall, we're going to be like, we need to slow down. (laughs) That's the end of it. (laughs) That is the key main point. (laughs) I like for me, I guess to close off and I'll give you the last word, but I think to close off, I think for me, like the main takeaway from this book um, was to be present, to slow down and then to find moments of gratitude and to, to, to almost be aware of what is happening right now, like right around you. And like what you were saying before, it's like you can have a really crappy day or you could have like, you know, you could be growing through like heavy times or dark times, but there's still like slivers of like light that you can grab hold on to and be like, okay, like at least that's, I'm grateful for that. Like I'm grateful that I have a bed and it, it could start from like that small seedling yet that's still something mm-hmm. to be grateful about right so I think that's the main thing that like I took from this book about you I mean I think um I feel like it was at least the chapters I've read so far have been a great reminder to me of like how I should continue navigating my life because I feel like a lot of times I'm like telling people like I literally had a conversation with somebody earlier in the week is they were like I'm so busy like I don't have enough time and I was like sometimes on my days like I will make myself a coffee and just try to like really fixate on making a coffee without like watching TikTok or whatever um and so I think with this book especially like the chapters on like you know saying thanks and practicing gratitude I I feel like it's just been yeah like a really good reminder for me to to continue doing that but then also like being compassionate with myself when I inevitably forget to do one of those things. Like when I am rushing out the door with like a coffee in hand, just like (laughs) trying to guzzle it down so I (laughs) can move on with my day. Uh, But like maybe in that moment, I'll like savor that sip of coffee that I have and then continue forth. Um, But I, I, yeah, I don't know. I really like, I love, how she sort of goes about explaining concepts in this book. And I think it's really important to sort of read and, and try to take on as much as possible, like that maybe we should be valuing that slowness and spending time with a poem and actually trying to like actively understand it rather than like reading it at face value and just moving on with your life. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end this. And in the spirit of gratitude, I'd like to thank you for being my co-host. <laughs> and also thank all of the listeners for listening in. Yeah, I mean, thank you for listening. Thank you, Miss N, for being my co-host. I really appreciate you. And um, I mean, we'll be back next month with another book. I think it'll be a fiction. Um So don't forget to like and listen and share and follow us on the digital look. Bye. Bye.